Look how pumped up he is, Nick. He should be. He should be. Derek Lowell, you're a hero. You're a hero. Never a doubt. Never a doubt, Derek Law. We got to do a show, Nick. Twelve games to play, and your Cincinnati Reds continue to hold a playoff spot. What's going on? Happy Sunday, and welcome to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Nick Kirby, and you know it by now. Chatterbox Reds is your daily home for live post-game shows after every Reds game on YouTube and podcasts like you're listening to right now, available every single day. Weekends, weekdays, we'll have a podcast for you every single day the rest of the season as we follow the Cincinnati Reds in their playoff pursuit. This show is presented, as always, by Betfred Sportsbook. Well, coming up on today's show, myself and Craig Sandlin discuss Saturday night's Reds game. I'll let you know where things stand in the NL wildcard race. I'll recap the Reds minor league action and preview Sunday's Reds game. But first, here's what happened on Saturday night in New York. Reds and the Mets. Bottom of the first, a two-out walk by Andrew Abbott to Pete Alonzo was followed by back-to-back singles, and the Mets quickly took a 1-0 lead. But in the top of the second, T.J. Friedel singled. Christian Encarnacion Strand crushed a single, 106 off the bat, and that put runners on the corners. With two outs, CES took off for second base. Mets catcher Francisco Alvarez tried to pick off T.J. Friedel at third base. Alvarez probably anticipating the Reds trying to pull off one of those uh, steal attempts at second, where the runner at third comes home with two outs. But Alvarez's throw went sailing into the outfield, and the Reds' base running created some chaos once again, and the Reds tied the game up at one. But Christian Encarnacion Strand was not done there. In the top of the fourth, CES crushed a two-run home run to center field to put the Reds up 3-1. to one. Andrew Abbott had got out of a bases-loaded jam in the third inning after some shaky defense, but he could not survive the bottom of the fourth. With two outs and a runner on second base, Abbott had Alvarez down 0-2. If there was robot umps, Abbott would have got out of that inning with strike three. But, of course, there aren't robot ops in 2023. And Alvarez ripped the double later in the at-bat, and that made it a 3-2 ball game. Andrew Abbott's day was done at just three and two-thirds innings pitched. Daniel Duarte came in and struck out Pete Alonso to end the threat and keep the Reds in the lead. And then that Cincinnati Reds bullpen, they did their thing. Daniel Duarte threw a scoreless fifth. Sam Mole threw a perfect sixth inning, lowering his ERA with the Reds to 0.95 in 20 games. And then Fernando Cruz topped them all. He threw a perfect seventh and a perfect eighth inning. But then David Bell turned to Derek Law in the ninth. David Bell said after the game they were short in the bullpen, and so it was Derek Law on the bump. Law got the first batter to pop out. But then he gave up a single. Law got the dangerous Brandon Nemo to fly out for out number two. Then Francisco Alvarez singled. 
and that put the winning run on base for none other than Pete Alonzo. Derek Law got ahead of Alonzo 0-2. Alonzo battled back, and on the seventh pitch of the at-bat, Derek Law got Alonzo to ground out to end the game and secure a 3-2 win for the Cincinnati Reds. The Reds improved to 78-72 on the season. The Reds have won 5 of 6, and the Reds won a season series against the Mets for the first time since 2013. And Derek Law, he started the game as an opener on Thursday in Detroit, and then he got the save on Saturday night in Queens. Here's what the hero, Derek Law, had to say after the game. Tell me what's going through your mind. You got first and second. It's a one-run game. You've got Pete Alonzo at the plate, one of the most dangerous hitters in baseball. What's going through your mind? That's like the the backyard dream, you know, like you're growing up and like best hitters on. It's not bases loaded, but big-time game. You know, we needed it, especially for this race. And, uh, you know, that's like kind of where you're like, see how your stuff is against the best, one of the best. You've pitched in all situations. You've been an opener recently. You've pitched in the middle of games. What's the adrenaline like in the ninth? Uh, it's definitely different. Uh, it's way different. Uh, for me, it's super emotional always. Um, I know Diaz doesn't really show much emotion out there. Uh, <laughs> he's stone-faced, but, uh, man, it's, it's, it's a crazy feeling. It's a really good feeling just to get the win for these guys. They, they busted their ass the whole game, and, uh, you know, just a close one. It's nice to get a win. Well, speaking of emotion, we caught that emotion at the end of the game from you. Now, five and a third scoreless innings from this bullpen. You guys have been running on fumes at times. I know you guys stick together down there, but how are you ever to trudge it up and get it done? Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of our MO out there. Like, we're just next up, whoever's up, get the job done. I mean, Cruzy went out there and gave us a hell of a two innings out yeah. there before me. I kind of just set it up, you know. Uh, it's just kind of next man up. Yeah. I mean, even Jabot and Gibby out there and Sims were out there. They were getting loose. They were getting ready to go. Like, uh, it was just kind of nice to maybe give them an extra day so now we have them for tomorrow. Take us into the clubhouse. How special is this right now where you're not only scoreboard watching, but every out, every inning, obviously every game matters. Yeah, I mean, this group of guys, man, I, I know a lot of us are saying it, but I, I've been around the block a little bit. You yeah. know, I've, I guess I'm a journeyman now. And, uh, man, it's so, super special. It's super special, the bond that we have in there. Uh, everybody's pulling for one another. It, it's just different. Uh, and I'll tell you what, when we get to the playoffs, not a lot of teams want to see us. And here's what Reds manager David Bell had to say about another gutsy win for the Reds. I'm running out of ways to ask questions as far as the way that, the different ways that you guys win games. Yeah, and, and it almost doesn't matter. You know, it's just you, you find ways, guys step up. Um, there's always little things that happen during the game. I mean, today you look at play Spencer Steer made and left. Uh, next play, Jonathan makes a great play down the line on a pop-up, and that really set uh, Fernando up to be able to go two innings. We were you know, clearly short. Um, I say that we're short in the bullpen, but I mean, you look at the guys that the job that they did. We, I mean, we weren't short. We had we had the guys out there that we needed to have out there, and they did a great job. But um, little plays like that, um, you know, Christian had been starting every day, and he he stayed ready and waited for his opportunity. It was the difference in the game offensively. Um, just a lot of a lot of great things are happening. Derek Law said on the field that two on, 
one of the greatest hitters in the game at the plate. That's like backyard dream type of stuff, is it not? It is, and that's how it looked like he was approaching it. You know, he's he's been he's been through it before, um, which gives you confidence, but um, it never makes it easy. And you know, you have kind of a choice to make: do you kind of succumb to the pressure, or do you find a way to embrace it and be in the moment? And uh, that's exactly what Derek did. He he didn't back down at all. He trusted um, his ability to to get you know a really good hitter out. This bullpen, five and a third scoreless, and they've really been perhaps the backbone of this, this team of late. Diaz gets a lot of pub, but it's really a group of guys that, if you look at them individually, you think, oh, okay. Collectively, though, how have they been able to get it done for you? I think uh, teamwork, really. I mean, they're, they're good pitchers. There's no question about that. We know that. We knew that when we acquired them, but, the, but how they've come together and just become stronger as a, as a as a group you know that that that's been the key and you know they're they're close they're really good friends they they uh care about one another and it's allowed them to to, to pitch really well and, and they have fun doing it um so they're just so much they're good individually but they're so much stronger together and that that's you know it, it's how our whole team is but um like you said they've done such a great job for us and been a key to our, to our success and it's nice that sorry a group uh of guys that don't always get the opportunity in, in up games came through for us tonight because they deserve a, a ton of credit with what they've done um all year do you have him Derek? considering he only had one save coming into today diaz is obviously the regular but um what do you see from him that, that makes him the choice going into that inning? Yeah, he. Uh, you know, we kind of had it set up that way. Um, a lot had to go right uh, for for it to work out. Um, where Derek did have that opportunity, but we knew that we had him behind Fernando, and we had a, a we have a ton of confidence in, in Derek for all the reasons I, I just spoke about. He's done it before. He has good stuff. He doesn't back down. And you know, the ninth inning can be different. We know that, but uh, you know, he found a way to. To embrace that opportunity and pitch great. Get to Alonzo with the winning run. Exactly. Of course. Of course. Yeah, and that, that's that's what it's all about. You know, you you almost um, expect it, and you don't want it any other way, in, 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 a, in a weird way. <laughs> so, you know, we got we got it done against against the best, and you know, he's he's definitely had his fair share of, of success too. So. And here's what the scorching hot Christian Encarnacion Strand had to say. Like I've said before, like this is a real special group. We have some young guys. We got a little bit of older guys. This is a real special group to be a part of. Take us through the home run at bat. Did you get the pitch you were looking for? Um, I mean, he kept throwing the fastball in the same spot. Um, and I just happened not to miss that one. You came around and you gave a gesture to the dugout. Your tongue was out, and it was kind of like a Michael Jordan shrug. Was that just spontaneous? I mean, it was more so he threw the same pitch over and over again. I know I swung through two of them, but can't keep going back to it. Obviously, it got tight there at the end in the ninth. When the crowd gets back into it in an environment like this, how do you guys hunker down just to get the job done? I don't. I don't think that changes. Like when we're on that field, like 
we're focused in between the lines, whether they're screaming or whether there's five people there. Like, we play the same. About the job the bullpen again did, five and a third scoreless. They're running on fumes at times. you got to be impressed with what they're doing. Speechless. Speechless yeah. about the bullpen. They're unreal. Our bullpen is doing really well. Another series one on the road, obviously, for you guys. How are you able to just, you know, just, like, be successful in these types of environments, have it not bother you the way that you say? Just have fun. It's a game at the end of the day. Yeah, it means something, but have fun. Christian Encarnacion Strand's home run was hit 428 feet at 108.5 off the bat. And that was our deep drive of the day, sponsored as always by Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel production, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks, as always, to our friends at DSC. All right, checking out the NL wildcard race. The Giants got swept in a doubleheader to the Rockies. They've lost the first three games of that series, and the Rockies have won five straight games to help the Reds as the first two of their five-game win streak came against the Cubs. The Rockies came in to their five-game win streak when that started with a record of 51-91. and 91. And as you just can't predict baseball, the Miami Marlins, well, they beat the Atlanta Braves for a second straight day. So who can figure a lot of the stuff out in the NL wildcard race? The Diamondbacks beat the Cubs in a wild 13-inning game. So here's where things stand in the NL wildcard race. Phillies hold the first wildcard spot at 81-67, and 67, four games ahead of the pack. Cubs hold the second wildcard spot, but they are only a half game ahead of the Reds and the Diamondbacks. Reds and Diamondbacks tied for the third wildcard spot. The Marlins are next. They're just a half game behind the Reds and Diamondbacks, and the Giants now two and a half games behind the Reds. Of course, the Reds do hold the tiebreaker over the Diamondbacks, so if the season ended today, the Reds would be in the playoffs. Reds also hold the tiebreaker over the Cubs, which now, with the Reds only being a half game behind the Cubs, has really come into play. Reds likely lose the tiebreaker to the Marlins, and they do lose the tiebreaker to the Giants, which is why the Giants falling to two and a half back is such a huge deal. And here's where the playoff odds sit according to Fangraphs. Cubs are down to 60%. Diamondbacks at 46%. Reds at 44%. Marlins at 41%. Giants are just at 10%. And the Reds have only had a higher playoff odds on one day this season, back on July 31st when it reached a season high 46.2%. And the Reds' odds on Tuesday were down to 12%. What a difference a week makes. Still a lot could change. Things could fluctuate very, very quickly one way or the other. But the Reds have put themselves in a really good spot here with a dozen baseball games to play. All right, here is myself and Craig Sandlin talking about a thrilling Reds win on Saturday night. Craig Sandlin. I remember doing a show with you a Saturday ago. Our whole chat said the Reds were done. It's football season. That team doesn't look dead to me, Craig. Do they look dead to you? 
they don't look dead to me at all. At all. I mean, look, not the best at bats in some pivotal moments there. And the offense, not the best as it's been in uh, in recent months. But look, they're finding ways to win ball games, And that's all that really matters. The bullpen, again, Derek Law came in and got the save. Prior to him coming in, I think they retired 12 straight, if I counted correctly. The bullpen's on fire, which is going to be pivotal down the stretch. A lineup that people were questioning coming into the game, but it didn't matter. David Bell pulled the strings at the right times, made the defensive changes that I think realistically proved pivotal there at the end. Great play by Spencer Steer in left field, and it all adds up to a W in the win column, Nick. What a season. I mean, was that Ricky Karcher 2.0? I mean, maybe like 1.5. Is that, I mean, Derek Lowe's been a pretty good pitcher this year, but my goodness, they just, uh, they just find a way. I, this is incredible. 12 games to play, holding a playoff spot. With uh, some pivotal games going on right now, Arizona and Chicago tied in the seventh. We already got a little bit of help earlier today. San Francisco took an L to the Colorado Rockies and, Last check, the Rockies are currently up five to two in the eighth. I mean, not only are the Reds winning ball games, but they're getting some help from around the league. It would have been nice if the Braves could have helped out a little bit, but the 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 Reds, if the season ended today, are in the playoffs. And who yeah. would have guessed that six months ago? I mean, and every every day that goes by that you say that the the odds just keep going up because there's uh believe it or not, less games. I had Christian Encarnacion strand first on the rundown. And uh, look, there's no excuse to play, not play Christian Encarnacion strand. If Joey Votto has to sit on the bench for Christian Encarnacion strand to play, Christian Encarnacion strand has to play. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know how we could think otherwise. I, I don't know what more he has to do. Uh, he's been absolutely crushing the ball of late. Hit a huge home run tonight. A huge single. Absolutely crushed it. Look, Votto didn't have a bad game. I think Votto got a base twice with two walks. But uh, however you have to get him in the lineup, you have to get him in the lineup. Like, I, I almost think Christian Encarnacion Strand should probably play over Jake Fraley just because of of, of where Jake Fraley's at. I, I, I don't... Wh- whoever has to sit on the bench, sit on the bench. Christian Encarnacion Strand has to be in this lineup. Yeah, I understand the desire to get left-handed at bats against right-handed pitching, but I I almost question whether or not we're sacrificing the quality of the lineup top to bottom in order to do that by putting in people like Fraley and Votto. Um, CES, again, tonight, two for three, two balls hit over 106 miles per hour on the night. I mean, he's just raking night in and night out, and not having him in the lineup seems... Uh, blasphemous right now but i also want to point out the fact that noel v Marte not being in the lineup the way he's been hitting lately also struck me today and for him not to see the the plate at all tonight i'm not sure if the broken nose is playing into this or what's going on um but at some point for me i have to question do i understand the value of having left-handed batters against a right-handed pitcher but do we need six of them i mean CES was in the lineup tonight, so I don't have to complain about him, but not having Marte in a lineup when he's hitting 432 on the month with an OPS over 1,000 seems crazy to me 
you know, he's raised his batting average from 171 at the end of August up to over 300 now and not having him in the lineup and putting CES at third base, which is not only offensively, in my opinion, a deficit because you're putting, you're not having Marte in the lineup over someone like Votto, but defensively we've seen time and time again, that the Reds would prefer to have Marte at third base versus CES. So I don't understand those decisions and and I'm not here. I'm you, me and you both. I've been a supporter of David Bell. So for all we know, there's something going on behind the scenes that, that have left the, led us to this, but I don't fully understand some of those decisions as it relates to the lineup and specifically the rookies. I'm I'm interested in your take on it. I think we have to go through our principles here. Number one, Christian and Carnassian strands in the lineup, righty lefty. He's got to be in the lineup. Christian Encarnacion Strand is the future of this baseball team. He's hitting the cover off the ball. He needs to be in the lineup. That's it, period. We move on to something else. I don't know why Christian Encarnacion Strand starts. This is his first career start at third base, right? It says zero on I think so. baseball reference. They're making this guy, the only time he can get in the lineup is playing third base for the first time in his big league career in the middle of September. Like when these games matter this much and there was a play in this game that Noel V. Marte, I felt like would have made the ball got under CES's glove, got to Ellie. Ellie couldn't, couldn't get the runner out in time. Abbott would have got out of that inning. Um, a run did score after, or no, a run did not, did it runs? I can't remember if a run scored or not. I think a run did not score, but it made Abbott throw like 25 more pitches and, uh, could have cost this game. I mean, I, I just I, I don't understand what we're doing with the lineup. I feel like we are I feel like there's two players right now in the lineup that we're playing out of I'll say it, I think we're playing them out of like respect. I think we're playing Nick Martini because of what he did and what he did was heroic. And I feel like we're playing Joey Votto because we feel like we owe it to Joey Votto. Um I'm not saying Joey Votto can't ever play. I'm not saying Nick Martini can't ever ever play. I think both those guys can stay on this roster. Both those guys can get at bats. But Christian Carnassio and Strand needs to be in this lineup every day. And I think Noel V. Martin needs to be in this lineup close to every day. And I think you need to make sure you're putting a pretty good defense behind Andrew Abbott when he's on the bound and not wasting 20 pitches and putting him in a bad spot. I think that it, that was the um, the at-bat you referenced specifically, I think, was Mauricio, who hit, uh, ended up getting a single that went under his glove. And um, he then stole second. Uh, Abbott walked Jeff McNeil in the following at bat and then did end up striking out Vientos to get out of the inning. But uh, like you said, through probably 10 plus extra pitches that he didn't need to throw in order to get out of that inning. And then obviously you look down the bullpen shut down. So it doesn't really matter at the end of the day if you got an extra at bat or two out of Abbott versus going to the bullpen. But I do agree that there were some defensive lineups that could have been better against Abbott and it starts with CES for sure uh, playing third base. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting was pulling CES um, in the sixth inning for the defensive changes uh, to bring in Spencer steer to go into left field. Now Spencer steer ends up making that phenomenal play on the line drive to left field that Senzel probably wouldn't have made had he been put in left field. Um, but pulling a hot bat out of the lineup in a close game, uh, at that point it was three to two, uh, in favor of defensive alignment. I thought the game was a little bit too close to start making changes like that personally. Um, 
Senzel's a, a liability probably no matter where you put him, probably less so at third base than in left field, but I didn't necessarily fully understand that decision either. And I know this this is a weird roster because, A, you have the extra roster spots, and you also have a team that only is using like three starting pitchers right now, and they're yeah. able to manipulate off days. So there's never going to be another time probably in the history of the Cincinnati Reds where you're going to have 15 position players. I, I don't know if there's another team in baseball right now that has 15 position players. Almost everyone has 14 pitchers, 14 uh, position players. And then obviously during the regular season, you, you usually only have, you have 13, but you have to have 13 position players because you're not allowed to have more than 13 pitchers. It, it feels like there's almost too many pieces. I'll, I'll, I, I look at this right now. There's too many yeah. pieces that I, maybe you feel deserve some playing time or whatnot. And I, I don't know. I think right now it's, it's got like, I don't mind Spencer steer getting an off day today. He's played a lot of games in a row, just wear and tear on a season where he's never gone this far. I had no problem with that, but it's gotta be about getting the best lineup on the field. Yeah. I didn't have a problem with that either. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting to note is that the lineup that we started with left the bench with zero left-handed batters. And so going up against a Mets team that you knew was going to bring some right-handed pitchers out of the bullpen at some point, uh, leaving your bench with zero moves to counteract that is tough. And so you talk about potentially uh, some of the starting lineup changes that you could have made ultimately affects the moves you can make down the field as, or down the, down the, down the game as well. Um, and we saw situations where, you know, righties were stuck facing righties because we didn't have anything to counteract. So, look, things worked out. I don't want to dwell on negativity on a night where they picked up a, a dub, but it's worthy of of questioning some of the decisions for sure. But at the end of the day, the Reds picked up a W and, and at least at this point, um, half a game on San Francisco. Yeah, I don't I don't want to harp too much. And, and look, me and Trace have been talking about this all week. Look, these are not easy decisions. This is a very challenging lineup to try to navigate because you have just so many pieces. You have so many unknowns, whether it's young players with the unknown of, of really how are they going to perform. Um, and then you have players coming back off injury that you're not really sure if they're you know going to get back to, to what you think they can get or, or not. And, and you have such a short window and you have a... a uh, Jake Fraley, who is uh, clearly, I, I think, the Reds' best hitter against right-handed pitching when he's 100%, but he's not 100%. He can only DH right now. Uh, so it, it's it's not an easy situation at all to navigate. I don't envy David Bell on this. I just I, I just can't say. You have to get CES in the lineup. I, I don't. Yep. I, I, you got you to gotta get him in the lineup. The Reds need that power, and, and that's just uh, kind of where I'm at there. I'll make one Go last on. comment on the lefty right up righty situation. And that is that David Bell made the decision likely because he didn't have a left-handed bat left on the um, bench, but he let Will Benson bat against uh, Rayleigh in the sixth uh, instead of potentially pulling him for a pinch hitter with a runner on um, Benson ends up striking out the last two times he's up uh, the first time, obviously against the lefty Rayleigh. And then the, the next time against uh, got, but um, I think it, it ended up kind of handcuffing him a little bit. He felt like he probably had to leave Benson in the game for the potential for the switch back to the lefty, but um, it just felt inconsistent. And we've talked all year about if you're going to be 
dependent on the splits and doing what you do from a platoon standpoint, the big red platoon, which we can talk about too, Nick, you got to be consistent with it. And uh, some, some decisions don't seem to back that. And it's been a little back and forth the last week or so with David Bell. Well, on that particular decision, I had no issue with it, especially with the lineup that you, you, uh, you started with. And uh, I think that's a good point you made earlier that maybe you should save one of these lefties, even against a righty for, for potential switches back. But the Mets only have one left-handed reliever and David Bell knew that. And then Will Benson got a crack with the bases loaded against the right-handed pitcher. Um, I'll take that every single day of the week. He just didn't come through this one particular time. But I think that was a, a good trade-off. Um, I, I wouldn't have wanted Nixon Zell getting that bat with the bases loaded against the right-handed pitcher. So it, it was a pretty fair trade-off for me. Uh, Craig, any thoughts on this? Starting to think this rest Ellie strategy might actually work. You look better. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point, Ned. I uh, he. Ellie's looked great the last couple of games when he's been out there. He's drawn some walks, hitting the ball hard. I, I don't know if it's rest or perspective or maybe a little bit of a combination of both, but I like what I've seen out of Ellie. I got laughed at a little bit, I think, um, the weekend of the Cardinals series when I asked the question somewhat in jest about the future of Ellie as a switch hitter. And we've seen his splits be significantly better from the left side of the plate and giving the rest maybe because he's getting rest and as a rookie, he's played a lot of ball games. Um, But it also could just be the fact that he's able to focus on facing right-handed pitching and in batting from the left-handed side of the plate. Uh, The one thing I'll say about Ellie that's been really positive and maybe he's been getting working in the cages or otherwise, um, for a couple of weeks there, he was a ground ball machine. Every single swing, it felt like he was just driving the ball straight into the ground. Um, he did have a couple of ground balls today, but he also feels like he's been lifting the ball a little bit more over the last couple of games, which has been a, a pleasant sight to see out of him. It could be that he's rested up and that his swing is just a little bit more fluid and he's able to get the bat through the ball a little bit quicker. It could also be that he's putting in work on those off days. And so I want to point out that for Ellie because it is a good sign long term that he's starting to get some lift under the ball because for a while there, every single swing that trajectory off the bat was negative. And uh, so it's been good to see some line drives out of him. And I think we'll probably see a return to the power that we expected out of him from the season all year long uh, here soon. And hopefully he can leave the yard again for the first time in what feels like a month plus. Andrew Abbott, the final line, you know, was, was rough, you know, three and two thirds innings, six hits, two earned runs, three walks. Did strike out five, you know, like I mentioned earlier, did have that inning that that he probably should have had to throw as many pitches. The news today of, of Graham Ashcraft, I, mean, I thought he was done, but just the the finality that he's going to be getting surgery. What do you do with Andrew Abbott? I mean, I don't like he was OK today. I don't think he was terrible. I think he could still pitch really well, like his next next start out next weekend against the the Pirates. But to say I'm not concerned about him would be a lie. So first of all, I'll say this, um, the Alvarez RBA double in the fourth that ultimately ended Abbott's day, uh, never should have happened. He had strike three on Alvarez, the pitch prior. Um, I don't know who to blame there. I'll start by saying that, right? So you've got Ty Steve set up high. 
The ball ends up at the very bottom of the strike zone. Ty Steve doesn't really frame it to, to any level. Um, so I, I don't know who to blame there, whether Abbott missed his spot. Ty Steve doesn't know how to frame a ball to save his life or just Larry Vanover in general, just missing the pitch. Regardless, Andrew Rabbit, who all year long has been battler, next pitch grooves it and uh, the RBI double. So I think if you take that away, I mean, you're looking at ultimately an outing that was, he probably ends up getting through the inning and goes four um, of one run ball. Um, and it probably doesn't look terrible, but when you look at it, I just, it didn't feel like he had the control, uh, that we have talked about time and time again, that Andrew Abbott needs in order to be successful. It felt like every single at bat was a battle, uh, which was, you know, again, Abbott is a battler and he'll do that all, all game long if you let him, but you know, 91 pitches in three and two thirds innings is not ideal for anybody um, and only 55 of them in the zone. So uh, I, I think again, first, first outing back um, maybe a similar to Hunter green where he just has to find his groove a little bit. I think the most we can ask for is that he's rested and his fastball did seem to have a little bit more giddy up than it had over the last uh, couple starts for him. Um, I think when I looked on average, it was a, a, a mile to mile and a half faster than his average on the year. So that was a good sign to see him rested and be able to have that velocity. But uh, it, the velocity only helps if you're going to be in the zone and, and, you know, putting your pitches where the target is. So um, I'm, I'm optimistic. Um, you know, it's a little different when Hunter green came back and his first game wasn't great. Um, I think we were all pretty optimistic still because it was his first game back. Um I'm still optimistic and think that Andrew Abbott will be better down the stretch than he would have been had he not had that stint. Um, but to be determined how much better um, consistency seems to be an issue in terms of being able to locate the ball. Yeah, I think we should also point out that if the Reds were out of the race, Andrew Abbott would be shut down right now. He wouldn't be throwing today. No. So like, again, and this is, this like goes with like when we're trying to compare some of these other players like Jake Fraley and Joey Vaughn, it's nothing against any of these guys. Like Abbott shouldn't be uh, pitching right now. Jake Fraley shouldn't be playing right now. If the Reds were out of it, he wouldn't be playing. Like the fact that both of those guys have um, are, are still trying to help this team down the stretch, I think shows the kind of guys they are, that, that they, they want it that bad, that they are willing to, in some ways, risk further injury. So I think those guys both deserve a lot of credit for for what they've done. It's just really in terms of Andrew Abbott. I mean, there's not a whole lot of other options. Like I still even want to sell out of Andrew Abbott. With all due respect to, uh, you know, Carson Spires. With all due respect to Brett Kennedy. I still think that version of Andrew Abbott I saw tonight gives you a better chance of winning down the stretch. I just hope the Reds are also making sure they're they're monitoring that they're not going to do anything that's going to um, you know put this this young man's uh, you know any, any sort of jeopardy of uh, of, a, of a big injury because of the the extensive workload. But he he's a battler. He fights. He competes every time he comes out, um, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. But I don't know. I'm just kind of at the stage where 
I'm kind of just hoping and wishing he has a little bit left in the tank that he can make a couple more good starts and help the Reds get to the playoffs. Yep. And similar to uh, some of the conversations we've had over the last uh, couple weeks is that I think you have an opportunity to to manipulate his outings, right? So it's not like you have to lean on him every fifth day to come out and give you positive outings. You could stretch him out a little bit if you wanted to here and there. You've got off days to play with. Um, There's some opportunities down the stretch to have Hunter Green go on regular rest and kind of change up your 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 rotation a little bit. So um, there's an opportunity there for him to still pitch effectively while still trying to protect him. Um, But at the end of the day, I think he's his three and two thirds innings of, of two run ball is better than the alternative. And there's going to be days where maybe we need a guy to come out like Spires and eat up some innings like he did in his last outing where um, he was able to get what four innings or something like that. But um, I think that Andrew Abbott and his competitiveness is going to give you a better opportunity to win a ball game uh, down the stretch when you need it versus some of the guys that you have in the minors right now are filling in on spot starts. Abbott might only need to make two more starts. I mean, that's it. Brandon Williams is going tomorrow. They haven't announced it yet, but I'm assuming it's Connor Phillips on Tuesday. I'm assuming Ben Lively slash bullpen game again on Tuesday against the Twins, then Hunter Green on Wednesday, and then you have a day off, and you have the Pirates. I I assume if Abbott can go, he goes in game one. And you have two off days that last week of the season, um, so that you throw him one time there, and that's all you need him. So you just Abbott give us two more starts. I don't even think you would probably start Andrew Abbott in a playoff game. If you get there, maybe it's uh, like a, a two, three innings. Like you're going in with that mindset and like maybe that's, but you only need two more like real starts from Andrew Abbott the rest of the way. So um, let's just uh, hope and pray he's got a little bit left of the tank because he's given the red so much already. Um, and uh, you know, they've definitely um, asked a lot. Yeah, his tenacity, too, gives me confidence with him coming out of the bullpen and filling in a couple innings if needed in a playoff scenario where, uh, you know, imagine a situation where Hunter Green gives you four or five innings of a quality start in a playoff game, and then you go to Andrew Abbott to come in and give you two or three innings. And next thing you know, you're turning it over to Alexis Diaz to close it down in the ninth. Um, I don't mind that idea of Abbott coming out of the bullpen. Uh, speaking of the bullpen, I do want to point out that the Reds got a little bit of good news today. Um, you already mentioned, obviously, Graham Ashcraft's bad news, but um, TJ Antone had an MRI. Uh, maybe you talked about this on the show yesterday. I only saw it today, um, but TJ Antone had an MRI, uh, which came back and, and showed just tendonitis in his elbow. Uh, according to David Bell, it was, quote, about as good as you can get. Um, and it sounds like there's an opportunity for him to be back in the bullpen this year, which is great news. The other one that they mentioned on the broadcast today that I hadn't uh, seen an update on but was happy to hear was that Alex Young is reportedly in New York with the team and was seen uh, in the dugout today. So having him back potentially activated tomorrow uh, is another boost to this bullpen. Um, They're going to have to make a decision on who – get sent down as as a move with him but um i don't think they have any replacement players left for his return but um two really good news uh pieces of news regarding the bullpen uh as we head down the stretch yeah carson spires is currently on the roster so that's probably the move and i i think at some point the reds are 
I don't know. The, the, the Reds might at some point also take one of the position players off the roster. Um, good luck figuring out who. And there's also the whole situation with Luke Bailey going on right now where I have to think they probably got to get another catcher up here because it sounds like best case scenario, he's going to have to miss a couple days, right? Is that how you read it? Yeah, so they called a contusion. They did talk about it today, and they mentioned it on social media that he did have an X-ray today. It came back negative. Um, what they're saying is that he's able to catch right now, but that swinging a bat is not um, not great. Um, so, I mean, if he can't swing a bat, he doesn't really prove beneficial to you. So I, I don't know if it's one of those things where you just give it a couple days and hope that it gets better. I certainly don't want to see an IL stint for him but we may see the return of the uh the legend kurt casali if uh if they do fear that this is going to be more than a couple days kurt casali is with the team right i don't think so i think he's just he's not in louisville i mean he's not on the he's not on the 25 man no but i i, I they ended his rehab assignment um the, the way i read it was they ended his rehab assignment because he ran out of days and kind of put him in i don't know like, is he working out <laughs> i mean he's got to be working out i don't kirk Asali, according to the roster the 40-man roster on the reds website is that he is currently on the 10-day il yeah but he's not with louisville like so he's yeah in... I, I don't know i don't know if <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't know. I don't know i have no idea if he's like actually I don't think he there was no news of him getting hurt at Louisville during his rehab assignment, just that it ended. So I don't yep. think is he eligible to get <laughs> just gonna activate a catcher that hasn't taken a, a professional swing in like a month. Um I don't well, know. I think, yeah. Best case scenario here is that Luke Maley wakes up tomorrow and is you know feeling a little bit better and gets in the batting cage and can take some swings, but I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, like if you're activating Kirk Asali, you're not planning on playing Kirk Asali. Like it's you, Tyler Stevenson, but you're gonna have to catch four or five days in a row here, just kind of where we're at in the season. It just and, turns but, into but your you, emergency but, catcher. But you you have to have another catcher. I mean, I don't, I don't think you want to go four or five days without any sort of uh, option. But Spencer Steer has played just about every other position on the field. Do we think he can catch too? <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good call <laughs> we touched on it early but i i i feel like ellie de la cruz is uh, uh playing a lot better kind of in an interesting role kind of i guess he's being platooned at this point um which i don't have an issue with at this point of the season uh, obviously ellie de la cruz can't be platooned in 2024 um but when there's you know so few of games left and all these games matter so much uh, i don't have an issue with them platooning him um, it helps you be able to get guys like CES and Marte in the lineup, although CES wasn't in the lineup yesterday, but we won't go down that road. Um, and it also gives you a elite pinch runner, a guy you can put in in different spots later in the game. Uh, but I think he's except he looks like he's doing well with like this kind of new short term role. And uh, um, he's looking really good at the plate. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm happy with what I've seen out of him the last couple of games for sure. Um, again, whether it's rest or just being able to focus on batting from the left side, I'm not sure. Um, an interesting thought today, and you know, the more I look into it, I'm not sure that it's a great comparison. But I look at a guy like Jazz Chisholm, and and I don't want to 
you know, draw comparisons or set set comparables, but you know, Jazz Chisholm had a grand slam and three stolen bases today. Um, and I think of the energy that Jazz provides the Marlins. Um, I think Ellie can be a much better player than Jazz, don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I think it's an interesting comparison in terms of the speed, the power, the swag um that jazz brings um that ellie has the opportunity to do that and what's interesting on top of that is that the marlins have moved moved jazz out to center field and i know you and you and trace had a lot of fun talking about ellie's abilities over the last couple of days on some routine ground balls i don't i don't know if ellie ends up potentially exploring another position i can't imagine he does because of the electric plays that he does make but i look at jazz and i was thinking today about jazz's uh impact on the marlins and i couldn't help but at least compare him a little bit yeah yeah ellie's never moving off shortstop i will die <laughs> I, my, my flag is planted i will absolutely die uh on that hill but no i think it's good to see him uh, uh playing well uh, I think some... the one thing that we can agree on is that, like you mentioned, having him as a potential pinch runner off the bat at the bench late in the game, we saw again today the chaos that the Reds' aggressiveness at the on the base pass can can cause. Um, Alvarez came into this game catching, I think, less than thirteen percent of potential stolen bases. Um, you know, but their aggressiveness and what they've done over the last couple of weeks with the first and third situations clearly led to what happened tonight in their uh, first run scored. Um, so <clears throat> I love having him off the bench late in the game, coming in in a pivotal moment uh, and being able to cause chaos, you know, swipe in second, potentially swipe in third. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, the other thing that the chat has pointed out is, and it's absolutely true is that Ellie's plate discipline has significantly improved. It seems, um, and that could come with comfort. It could come with just work in the, in the cages and, and watching film. Um, but he, uh, he certainly seems as if he's laying off a lot of those breaking balls in the dirt and some of the pitches that he was swinging at, uh, for a long stretch there. For some reason, we've been doing this over an hour, and we haven't really gone too far into the Cincinnati Reds bullpen. Other than <laughs> just kind of the initial. So again, if you're just joining us, thank you for for checking out Chatterbox Reds Live. Your uh, Cincinnati Reds post game show. This is game number one fifty. We've done them after every single game. Uh, Daniel Duarte uh, came in in a huge spot. Got out of. Uh, Andrew Abbott's jam then threw a score this inning. Sam Mole threw a perfect inning. I, I, don't, I don't have it on the fly, but his ERA uh, with the Reds was an even one entering today. So if my uh, math is correct, it's now sub one. So that's a pretty good development. Fernando Cruz, I mean, how good is this dude? And uh, I know there was a couple <laughs> uh, city field specials here. That's a huge ballpark. But Fernando Cruz, two perfect innings. I mean, just can't say enough. And then Derek Law got the save. Derek Law started a game this week. <laughs> and he saved the game this week. I mean, like if that doesn't like tell you 
everything you need to know about the 2023 Cincinnati Reds. It's uh, it's that right there. Uh, just uh, just another unbelievable job by this. Like, there's just no margin for error in these. The, is this like four or five of these games? Like, both of the Cubs games were like this, right? We had a game with the Tigers like this, right? Where they went five innings and just zero, 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 zero. Yeah. Uh, Sam Mall ERA now 0.95 in 20 games with the Reds. Um, he's uh, thrown 19 innings, given up 11 hits, two earned runs over those 19 innings. So, I mean, opponents are hitting 162 off of him. Uh, yeah. I mean, you mentioned it, but Duarte comes in in that fourth inning after that RBI double from Alvarez and strikes out Pete Alonso. I mean, in a pivotal moment, you've got runner on second base, the the tying run at that point. Duarte comes in, strikes out Pete Alonso on a full count, uh, and then goes on, obviously, walks Lindor in the fifth, but cleans it up with uh, Mauricio McNeil and Vientos. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cruz was lights out today. I mean... We talked about it with his first game back. I happened to be on the show, I think, that day. Um, his control was not there, and we both agreed. It was just he needed to get back into it. He needed to get pitches under his belt, and he's been lights out, it feels like, ever since. Um, faced six batters and threw a total of 17 pitches. I mean, Unreal, and then obviously uh, Derek Law, like you said, starts a game this week, closes a game this week. Alexis Diaz got five outs last night, so may have been unavailable tonight. And uh, the bullpen just picks up, picks the next man up. I mean, it's been it's been unbelievable this stretch that they've been on. And again, you've got two guys that you can add to that bullpen still in Alex Young and TJ Antone once they're healthy. So if you're wondering, you know, why Derek Love closed the game, I mean, you can see like Alexis Diaz, 22 pitches Friday, but he had the day off Thursday, but, you know, 18 pitches on Wednesday, 17 pitches on Tuesday. Um, Lucas Sims uh, pitched three of the last four days. Ian Jabot pitched three of the last four days, including 27 on Friday night. Um, Buck Farmer threw 35 on Thursday. So uh, I'm guessing that, that, there's one of two things. Either it was literally Derek Law or Carson Spire were the last two guys left, and Diaz, Sims, Jabot, and Farmer were completely unavailable, or it was some sort of combination of those guys are not themselves right now. They're they're battling some fatigue. Um, we really do not want to use them tonight, um, and Derek Law feels good. So I, I think it's, it's one of those combinations, but... Um, what a huge job to give those guys a day off, right? I mean, that's the flip side of this. Yeah, okay. You certainly you can you can um you can lose the game, right? Right, Craig? And uh um and that would have been a disaster. But when you you get through it, now all of a sudden hey, you gave those guys all a much needed day off, and you've got yourself set up really, really well tomorrow for a chance to sweep the Mets. Well, I never had a doubt personally, Nick. I mean, I knew from the moment I heard that Derek Law was warming up in the bullpen that this was going to be done. But yeah, I mean, you're leaving yourself with your best relievers available tomorrow on the getaway day. 
and then you're heading into what is likely your most difficult series of the season going up against the twins. So um, having a fresh bullpen is going to be big. B will, we need a big outing out of him tomorrow. Um, quite frankly, to, to try and save as much of the bullpen as we can for that twin series, because it's going to be a battle. All right, let's get you caught up on all of the Reds minor league action. We'll start off with triple a Louisville. They did not follow their, 21 strikeout performance on Friday night off as well. On Saturday, the Bats lost 9-2 to Durham. Bats now 71-70 on the season. Stuart Fairchild in rehab game number two was 0-3. Kevin Newman did not play. Jose Barrera was 1-3. Did it a homer, number 15 at AAA. Jacob Herdeby, 1-3, stole his 39th base in the minor leagues of the season. Michael Marriott started for the Bats. And just how wild is this Red season? Marriott, who pitched pretty well for the Reds in his one appearance, gave up five earned runs in four innings down at AAA. And then one pitcher definitely worth keeping an eye on, Levi Stout. He threw a scoreless inning. Stout pitching pretty well since the Reds have moved him back to uh, just basically one-inning rolls. Not sure if he's maybe going to get in the mix. He is a guy on the 40-man roster, so certainly a guy worth keeping your eye on. Double-A Chattanooga, they also lost. They lost 8-6 to Birmingham. Lookouts now 70-66 as they prepare for postseason baseball starting next week. Edwin Royo, he stayed hot. He doubled. Uh, Edwin Royo just promoted to double-A. He's played really well since getting promoted. And Alan Serta hit a home run. He's got 10 home runs between a whole bunch of different levels this season. Of course, Serta was a guy that a couple years ago was flying up the Reds' prospect rankings. But had a disappointing 2022, and then it's had an injury plague 2023. So nice to see him hopefully ending his season with a high note. All right, the Reds will go for a series sweep against the New York Mets at 140 on Sunday in Queens, New York. Mets, of course, came in red hot. They were 8-5 and five in their last 13 games. So a sweep of the Mets would be mighty impressive but the Reds will have their most difficult challenge of the series on Sunday. They'll be going up against the lefty Jose Quintana. Uh, he's got a 3.05 ERA this season. He spent a lot of the season on the IL, but he's been really, really good of late. Last three starts, he's got an ERA of 1.50, and he has not allowed a home run. He's also pitched really well in his career against the Reds. He's got a 3.06 ERA. In 2022 against the Reds, oh, it was even worse. Three starts, a 0.92 ERA, did not give up a home run, only allowed two walks, and struck out 12. There are a couple active Reds that have had some success against Quintana, though. Uh, Harrison Bader, two for nine with a a double. Uh, Hunter Renfro has two home runs against Quintana. Nick Senzel is five for 15. And Joey Votto is 13 for 24. That's a 542 average in his career with an OPS over 1,300. It'll be interesting to see if Votto is in the lineup on Sunday. Not typically looking like he's going to play much against lefties, but he has had a lot of success against Quintana. How does David Bell weigh that into his decision-making? I would not want to be David Bell making that call. For the Reds, it'll be the lefty Brandon Williamson on the mound. Uh, Williamson coming off a start on September 12th where he did allow seven hits and five earned runs in four innings pitched against the Tigers. 
But that is Williamson's only start in September. Obviously a little rusty coming off the COVID IL. But Williamson has been absolutely fantastic since July 1st. 12 starts. He's got an ERA of 3.66. His command continues to improve since August 1st. He's only walked eight batters in 38 in a third innings pitched. That is a walk rate of less than two batters per nine innings. Williamson has never faced the Mets or any active Mets hitters, but as we mentioned before, the Mets have really struggled this season against left-handed pitching. They are just 14-31 and 31 in games against a lefty. All right, of course, the Reds at 140, but the rest of the NL wildcard race in action on Sunday, the Marlins host the Braves at 140. It'll be Charlie Morton on the mound for the Braves going up against Jesus Lazardo of the Marlins. And then at 3.10 p.m., could the Rockies really pull off a four-game sweep of the Giants? We'll see. For the Rockies, it'll be Chris Flexen on the mound going up against Sean Manea. And then the Cubs and Diamondbacks will actually be at 7.10 on Sunday Night Baseball. For the Cubs, uh, Jordan Wicks on the mound. Uh, their rookie who's pitched really, really well through his first four career starts going up against Ryan Nelson for the D-backs. All right, well, on Sunday, Chatterbox Bengals will be on after Bengals-Ravens. Uh, those guys go live on YouTube, typically in the fourth quarter. So if you're a Bengals fan, make sure you check that out. Those guys do a lot of really great work, really fun show, very similar to our format with Chatterbox Reds. Of course, Chatterbox Reds will be live as well, probably around 4 p.m. or so in the ninth inning. Trace Fowler will be back on the program tomorrow. Looking forward to talking with Trace. And if I could just ask you one quick favor, we are at 99 reviews on Apple Podcasts. Could you be our 100th? Could you just leave us a five-star review for review number 100? I know a lot of you have, and I really appreciate those of you who have, and I also appreciate you listening to me make this plea almost every single day. But if you haven't yet, be number 100. We would really appreciate it. Thanks to everyone for all of your support. Well, I hope that you have a great Sunday, and as always, go Reds.